Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. There's a, a picture that's going to come up soon. And uh, some of you who are, are my age and older might recognize this as a 45. Does anyone recognize this as a 45? Yes. Well, I told, um, I asked Will to please put a, a picture of a 45 on the, on the slide, and he just didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> But uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, a 45 was a small record, and it was called that because um, it, uh, it was 45 RPM. It did 45 revolutions per minute on a turntable. And when I was growing up, uh, when a single came out on the radio and you really liked it, you'd rush to the, in my case, the drugstore, and uh, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't translate well. <laughs> it's, it's a chemist. Um, and you'd get a 45. And... Um, Usually, what would happen is that you really went for one song, and that song was on the A side, and the A side was the one that was well-known, and that's why you're buying the, the single. But on the other side, there was a B side, and the B side usually had a song that you didn't know, um, but you kind of got it as a freebie, and sometimes you were lucky, and sometimes the B side was all right. Well, the B side of um, this one particular 45 was Revolution, which is what the kids went out to um, earlier today. Can anyone guess what the A side was? It was actually Hey Jude, <laughs> which became one of the Beatles' best selling. And this is a very long way of saying that um, today, some of you may have been coming here today thinking that Carl Beach was going to speak and that you were getting the A side. But um, something happened with Carl and he couldn't make it here today. So I'm afraid you've got the B side today. <laughs> but uh, Revolution didn't do so badly in the charts and so hopefully today's going to be all right. I'm just going to share with you um, just a part um, of, of my life and then think about God being with us. Some of you will know that um, I'm from Los Angeles. I was born and raised in L.A., um, came to study here for a year, met Rupert in Birmingham, went back to Los Angeles. I became a high school teacher. We decided that we would get married and... At the time, I wasn't certain how I felt about Los Angeles, whether or not that was really a place that I wanted to live and bring up a family, even though lots of people think about Hollywood and etc. Um, as a high school teacher, school was pretty rough. Um, four shootings in my school um, in uh, four years, so um, I really wasn't certain. So Rupert and I thought, right, um, we'll get married in Los Angeles and we'll move to Stockport. So, Stockport, I still am in. Um, my family, I've got one brother, um, an older brother, and I've got my parents. Um, and they were in Los Angeles, and they too started to wonder if L.A. was a place that they wanted to grow older in. So they decided that they would leave L.A., and they moved to Hawaii. <laughs> so I moved to Stockport, they are in Hawaii. 
However, um, we get to go on really nice holidays when we go see them, and it's fabulous, and the weather's really nice, and ocean is beautiful, and etc. It sounds great, but um, Hawaii is far. I don't want to get emotional. I said I wouldn't. Hawaii's far. And when you're far from family, um, it can be difficult. So even though it's a great place to go on holiday, it is hard sometimes when you feel like you want to be with your family. And actually, it's not a few hours away. It takes at least 30 hours to get there and three flights, and it's really expensive, and you can't just be there when you want to be there. Um, when I was 13, my father had a major stroke. He, he, was, he lost his speech, he was paralyzed on one side, um, and it was pretty life-changing. So um, he took about a year to recover. Miraculously, he did recover, and he was able to go back to work, and he worked a good 15 years after that. And he was only 50 at the time. And when I left Los Angeles, um, my dad was fine. When he went to Hawaii, he was, he was still fine, but his health wasn't that great. And I just knew that in England that uh, one day I was going to get a phone call from my brother to say, um, you know, things aren't so great. I think you should come home. So sure enough, um, there was one morning when I woke up like any other morning, um, taking a shower, getting ready for work, and my brother phones. And he says, you know, dad really isn't well. I'm not sure if he's going to pass away, but I think you should come. So at the time, we had the boys were really young, and life was pretty fraught. Um, life is pretty much always fraught when you've got young children, and uh, you're running around after them and trying to keep it all together. And uh, I remember feeling fraught. Um, Rupert had a lot of pressure at work, and I felt like I had a lot of pressure at work. And the whole logistics of just dropping everything, leaving a young family, and just flying off to Hawaii was a little bit overwhelming. Um, but we made plans for me to go, and I left fairly quickly. Rupert's dad dropped me off at Manchester Airport because uh, he couldn't take the time off. He had to be at work. And I remember arriving at the airport um, feeling pretty alone. Um, so I was waiting there to be checked in. And I noticed that a friend of mine who worked at the airport was there. And he was talking to somebody who worked at the airline. Um, my friend happened to be a Salvation Army officer. And he was actually placed at Manchester Airport as a minister to offer pastoral support to anyone in the airport, including staff who needed support. And so he was there. And the next thing I know, um, a woman from the airline comes to, to me and she says, don't say anything. And she takes me away and she gives, she checks me in, she gives me a ticket and she said, I can't do much more but this will give you a little bit of leg room. And so she upgraded me from economy to economy plus. And uh, when you're on a long haul economy, the plus bit of economy makes a big difference. And I was really grateful. 
Um, and then after that, my friend just took me for a coffee, and on the flight, I went. Just pause there, because um, as a church, we are working on the 40 Acts of Generosity. And I just want to say, you know, in my story about my dad, um, this woman at the airline whose name I didn't catch, but whose face I've not forgotten, and also my friend Ian, whom I don't see hardly at all. Um, in this part of my life, they are two key people, and I'm grateful. And so in this time, um, especially during Lent, when we're thinking about generosity, you don't know how much you do uh, can mean. I arrived, it's okay, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I arrived at Newark and I felt better, but I was also tired. Um, I was feeling pretty heavy and still not really knowing what I was going to find when I went to Hawaii. Um, in the terminal, I was walking from one to the other and something on the floor um, just caught my eye. I don't know if we've got that, that slide um, up. Um, that caught my eye, and I didn't know what it was at the time. I don't often bend over to pick up money, but uh, I picked, <laughs> picked up this penny. And probably for the first time, I just took in the words, in, in God we trust. And I just felt like God was saying to me at that moment, um, you know, you can trust me. Just trust me. It wasn't a promise that everything was going to be fine. Um, I didn't feel that, but I did feel that God was saying, trust me, and that I could trust him. And it changed the rest of the journey. Um, I felt more at peace. I arrived in Hawaii. Um, brother met me at the airport, and he didn't say anything, and I just knew that my dad had passed away whilst I was en route. Um, he didn't know how to tell me. And so I just said it for him and said, Dad's passed, hasn't he? And he said, yes. Um, it, didn't, it wasn't an easy time. Um, grief isn't easy, and everything afterwards wasn't easy. However, I knew I was okay. You know, I was okay. God was with me. Um, Emmanuel, God with us. And I could trust him. Sometimes life is going great for me, and I think a lot about God, and I'm spending time with God. Sometimes life is going great for me, and I'm not thinking about God, and I'm not spending that much time with Him. Sometimes life is rough, and I'm spending lots of time with Him, and I'm thinking about Him a lot. Sometimes life is rough, and I'm not thinking about Him, and I'm not spending that much time with Him. But God never changes, and God is with me all the time. Whether or not I am spending time with him, whether or not I feel close with him, whether or not I'm talking to him or whatever, God's not changing. God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. The person who's weaving in, in and out of God is me, and yet I know that God is with me, whatever is going on in my life. 
In Romans 5, it says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'm not sure about the glory and suffering bit. I've not got that bit down. Um, but suffering, perseverance, character, hope. I do believe that God can use our suffering and we can end up in a hopeful place. The verse that I really want us to focus on this morning, though, is verse 5. Verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. At work, um, I've read that um, in emails, you should try not to use the word just or hope because it makes your emails sound a bit weaker. And hope, um, I think sometimes in this world, you know, when we say that we've got hope in God, we can sound weak and we can sound foolish to other people um, because being um, able to take care of yourself and independent is really valued in our society. But I suppose where I am, I do have hope. I do believe that God sent his son and that he died for me. And I do believe in that one day we will see the glory of God across the whole of the universe. And I can boast about that. And I suppose um, the other part of the verse, of verse 5, that I really want us to um, think about and meditate on for the rest of this service is about God's love being poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we limit how much we open our hearts to God, and yet God is lavish. He wants to pour out his love into your hearts, and he will pour it out until we are overflowing, and his Holy Spirit will fill us and refresh us. And sometimes we make God small and stingy, but he is the opposite. He is huge, and his love for us is generous, lavish, more than we can ever imagine. And he wants to pour it into our hearts. We have the opportunity to just ask. We just ask, and God will pour it into our lives. We're going to have a time of worship, and Joel's going to lead us through this time. And what I would just encourage us to do is, as we worship, also use it as a time of asking. Lift up your hearts, lift up your life, lift up your hands, and ask for God to pour out his love into your heart and into your life. 
And let's just use the time and ask God, just say, yes, I want more of you. If you would really, if, if you would like to come forward and you just want to say to someone, I want more, I want to be filled more, then please come forward on this side here or here. The leadership team and the prayer team will be available and we'll just pray a simple prayer, Lord, that he would fill you. So we're just going to go into a time of worship and I just encourage you just to open yourself up. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.